Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Is there anyone here uh, you have ever had a dream, you, 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 and even you felt like it was a God-given dream in your life, but then circumstances happened, and you have felt like you've kind of lost hold of that dream, you've kind of you've kind of lost the dream because you're dealing with your circumstances. You've kind of been a little bit discouraged. You've kind of lost hope a little bit. You're not sure where your life is going because of the circumstances you find yourself in. Um, I wonder if there's anyone in this room that can identify with anything I just said. Is there anyone? Okay, good. (laughs) This message is for you today. And there was a bunch in the first service too. So I know that God is wanting to speak to you and me. Um, Jesus said something interesting in John 10.10. He said that the the thief's purpose, Satan's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And I got thinking about that. You know, what is it that Satan could possibly steal from us? And I believe that top on that list is your dreams. Satan would love to steal your dream from you, to discourage you, to make you feel hopeless, to, to convince you that, um, that where you're at today is, is, is as good as it's ever going to get. And that is such a lie. And I love that scripture in Jeremiah where God says, man, the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future to prosper you. You know, God, just like if, if, you, if you've ever been a parent or a grandparent, you dream for your kids. You have dreams for your kids, right? That they, would, that they would have a, a good life, a better life than you, that they would fulfill things and go farther than you. That's, that's what every parent dreams for their kids and their grandkids. Do you know that your Heavenly Father has dreams for every one of you? And there's times that you get a hold of that dream, and we could call that your calling, we could call that your purpose, whatever you want to say, but there's times we know that we know that we know that we know that that. that there's this hope that there's this thing we know that's going to happen, that God's going to take us. And then, doggone it, life happens. And you can lose sight of that. I want to talk to you today about a young man that um, God had given dreams to. And, um, and his life went south. And, uh, but the thing about the story is that um, he never lost sight of what God had promised him. I love T. D. Bishop T.D. Jakes said one time, never doubt in the darkness what God has given you in the light. I'll never, for, never forgot that. And this is, a, this is a young man that went through some stuff, went through some circumstances, but held on to his God, and God fulfilled every purpose that God um, had for him. And that's my prayer for every one of us here today is that every purpose that's represented here in this group, that, that you fulfill every part of it in your life. And so let's look at uh, the life of Joseph this morning. We're, gonna, we're not going to read the whole thing because of time, but we're going to hit some of the high spots. I encourage you to go back home and read it. It's not very long of a read, but it's awesome, and it might encourage you. So we're going to start in Genesis 37. And we're going to begin in verse 2, and we're just going to hit some high spots of Joseph's life. Now, I'm going to point out, I'm going to stop and point out some areas that he probably didn't use wisdom in um, in his life. So it says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. 
He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Okay, stop. How many know that is a bad idea? You're going you're gonna to tattle on your brothers. Never a good thing, right? And they're your half-brothers. So there's not that whole blood thing going on. You know, that's not a good thing right there. So he's, we know that he's a tattletale. He's a snitch, which is never a good thing. Um, then it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other children. Okay, another uh, bad situation happening here. Uh, maybe you had siblings in your family, and there's one sibling, and it might be you, but there's one sibling that you know your parents love more than the other ones. And, and if it's the youngest one, you're always like, yeah, you had it easy compared to us. That's never a good a never a good culture to have there. It says that Jacob loved him more than any other, ch- other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age, so he was the youngest. And so one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. So now the father's given his favorite a special gift that no one else got, another terrible scenario. You see something brewing here? Right. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he says. First of all, you need to know that not everything God gives you is for public consumption. Because it can get you in trouble if you prematurely share something that you weren't supposed to share. doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. It's just that sometimes God's saying, dude, just chill out. Just keep that to yourself. This is the dream. He says, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your, your brothers actually come and bow? to the ground before you. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So I have to believe that Jacob, there was something in Jacob's heart, something in his core that resonated that this could be from God. He didn't understand what it meant, but there was something to it. He kept having these dreams. Now, as a 17-year-old favored child wearing a shiny coat, Probably not a good idea to share his dreams with his brothers. But in, in fact, that is exactly what ended up happening in the future. His brothers and his whole family ended up bowing down to him. He rescued a nation and a family. So that did indeed happen. Um, he just kind of, I think, maybe should have just kept it to himself. Anyway, so as soon as Joseph started to speak about the dreams, the enemy started to go after him to destroy him. And I believe that it wasn't just to destroy Joseph, but you have to understand what was at stake. Number one, his whole family was at stake. Uh, But number two, a nation was at stake. But even beyond that, the bloodline of the Messiah that would come, Christ, 
was going to come through that family. So in a lot of ways, our future was at stake. And Joseph was the guy that God used to ensure that a nation would survive, that the Messiah would eventually come through. Because there was a famine that hit, hit the land, and a lot of people died, and it could have wiped out a whole nation. But God used this young man uh, to rescue them. God had given Joseph several dreams, and Joseph didn't know exactly what they meant, but he knew they meant something, and he believed they were from God, and we now know that they were indeed from God. But this is the issue. Joseph's dreams collided with reality. (laughs) And that's what happens to you and I. God will give us a dream. God will speak to us. God will give us a a promise or a hope, and, and, and and we're feeling good, and then reality hits, life hits. And we're like, I can't even survive this. How can I even dream anymore? And there's a lot of people walking around that have lost sight of the dream that God has given you. I want to read on because it gets better. So Jacob sends Joseph out to see his brothers out in the field. And so it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. <laughs> you, ever, you ever walk up on a group talking and, and you surprise them and you just know they were talking about you because of the look on their faces? I've had that happen a few times. And uh, so they're talking about him. Yep, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And they said, here comes the dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And then we can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. These guys were brutal. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And then it goes on to say that when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. And then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. And now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agree. Thank God for Judah. And uh, so instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery to this group. And so when the Ishmaelites, who were the Midianites traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. And then they created this elaborate lie. They took his coat. They had killed an animal. They dipped the animal in blood, and they went back and said to Jacob, look at and a wild animal literally ripped Joseph to shreds. This is all that's left is this bloody coat. And his dad just went into a deep depression, was so heartbroken that uh, his youngest son was dead. But he wasn't dead. He was just a slave now. He was owned by someone else. Um, now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but if I would have been Joseph, I, I might have been asking some questions about that time. Like, what about the dream of everyone bowing down to me? What, what, about the dream, what about that dream that you gave me? Now I'm actually a slave, and I'm serving someone else in a country that's not even my own. And it says that, uh, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt. They were, they, they, then they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an, an officer of Pharaoh and the king of Egypt, Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. So now he's sold again. Now he is serving in the household of Potiphar uh, in Egypt. Listen, when your dreams come from God, 
Your circumstances will never kill them. They will just cause them to grow. And that's what we need to understand today, that we have the benefit of hindsight. We now can look at Joseph's life and track everything that happened in his life. Listen, at the time, he was probably wondering, where is God? Where is, where is this promise? Where, he, he gave me these dreams. I know he had a destiny for my life, but everything has went wrong. I went from the pit, now I'm in Potiphar's house, I'm a slave, and I'm, you know, and I would have been asking those questions like, where are you? Have you ever asked that? God, why me? What, what is going on in my life? Some of you have stepped out in faith to do something, and man, all hell is broken loose in your life. What is a dream killer? What is a dream killer? I, I, I would define it as a circumstance in your life that um, threatens that dream, where you just feel so overwhelmed with the circumstance that you are no longer able to have hope and dream that dream. That's what I would define as a dream killer. I think things that people say can add to that, but I think it's bigger than that. So how do you, the question I want to ask you today is then, how do you kill a dream killer? How do you kill a dream killer? And Joseph, just by the way he lived his life, I don't think he planned on living this way. I don't think he had it all worked out like I'm going to live. I think he was just being reactionary to the circumstances that were before him. But Joseph lived a life in such a way it's a blueprint for you and I when, when circumstances are threatening our dreams. I bet you'd love to hear what those are, right? Okay, number one. You ready? If you're taking notes today, you kill a dream killer through dependence on God's presence. Now, I want to just read um, a little bit farther in the story. Now he's a slave in, in, in this Egyptian household under Potiphar. Just look at and see what's been happening in his life. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar so that he made Joseph his personal attendant and put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all of his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So he goes from being thrown into this pit to being sold into slavery twice. And because Joseph walked with the presence of God and did the right thing, even when People were doing the wrong things toward him. He was doing the right thing by his God because he loved the presence of God. Everything he put his hand to blossomed. Everything that he touched succeeded. And everyone around him recognized there was something different about Joseph. He stood out from the crowd. Let me just encourage you. Um, do you know that whatever job you do, whatever, wherever you find yourself uh, working from Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, do you know that you bring the presence of God with you to that place? 
that, that, that your life, when you walk with the presence of God, your life stands out above the rest because people recognize in their spirit, we are spirit creatures, people recognize something in their spirit about you. You don't have to say it. You don't have to preach. You don't have to, you don't have to quote Bible verses to your co In fact, I would probably tell you not to do that. That's not the time and the place. But live your life with the presence of God around you and watch what happens. That was Joseph's life. He walked with the presence of God, and and others took note. So you would think, okay, good. Now he's on the track to fulfilling that dream. Now everything's going to go perfectly because he's going to fulfill the dream that God had given him. Yeah, that didn't happen. So Joseph was a good-looking dude. He had some pretty amazing guns and a six-pack. He was was a good-looking dude handsome. He had the presence of God with him, so he was attractive in, in more than just his looks. People wanted to be near him. And Potiphar's wife started to notice him, and she started to pursue him. She was dropping subtle hints, flirting with him, and, 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 and it just got worse and worse. And he tried to avoid her, and she was coming on to him really strong. She wanted to have an affair with this young man. And one day, it kind of came to a head where she was very aggressive and Joseph turned around and just fled the house. He just ran as fast as he could and she had a hole of his jacket and she ripped the jacket off him. But then she realized that if people found out about what she did, she would be in trouble. So she took that jacket, went to her husband and said, he tried to rape me. Look at this as proof of it. And again, in Joseph's life, things took a left turn. He, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything to deserve that, but that's what happened. And it says in Genesis 39 that Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. His presence never left him and showed him his faithful love And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything and the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. What I find amazing about this story is that God didn't keep him from trouble, but God was with him in the midst of the trouble. And I want to encourage you today that, that God probably won't take you out of the storm that you're in. But what you need to know is that God will walk with you in the storm that you're in. There would be no life lesson if he took you out of all the storms. There'd be no life lessons. You know, a lot of people say, I'm just stressed. I'm so, I need a break. I need to do this. I'm, I'm just stressed. You know what? You were built for stress. What happens is that when you become distressed, it's that's when you're in trouble. But we were built to go through storms. We were built to go through troubles. We were built to go through difficult circumstances. Because God is always with us if we lean on Him. In fact, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say, if our life was trouble-free, we wouldn't be happy even at that point. Then we'd be bored and that'd get us into a whole other another sermon series for a year. Um, <clears throat> so 
Joseph depended on the presence of God. The second way to kill a dream killer is by dedication to your calling. Joseph knew there was a calling on his life. He didn't, he didn't know exactly how it was all going to play out. He didn't exactly know how, what it all meant, but he knew that God was calling him. He knew it because everything he did, he put his hand to, it, it flourished, and God was with him, and people's lives were changed, and he had those promises, those dreams that God had given him that, that you're going to have influence at some point. He didn't know what it was going to look like, but he knew that God's hand was on him, and yet things kept going wrong. Joseph was dedicated to do the best job he could regardless of the situation that he found himself in. He did what he could do and he put the rest in God's hands. I I, I just want to say, and I've said this before, man, wherever you find yourself working, whatever job you find yourself working, I want to encourage you to be the best employee that you could be because ultimately you are not working for that employer, you're working for God. And so, you know, I, I just think it's so sad when I, when I talk to business owners and, and, and we've got church people that work for them and I say, hey, do you know so-and-so, they work for you? And, and I get that look. Like, yeah. <laughs> then where you go with that? You, so in other words, you make my life difficult by not being a good worker. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Be the best you can be. be. Be the first one there and the last one to leave. Do Just step up to the plate because that's, what, that's exactly what Joseph did. He cared about uh, the responsibility that was given him, even though he was in prison while he was given the responsibility. It doesn't always look like it's supposed to look like. But looking back on Joseph's life, he would have never been able to save a nation had he not went through this path of going into prison, right? The relationships he made and the things he learned. Our problem is is, um, we want... We want that thing that God has promised us, has spoken to us. We want it now. And, and we want it sooner than later. I remember times in my life, in my journey, that the delay I thought was going to kill me. I kept saying, God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to open up this door? I know you had a calling. And, and I felt like the delay was going to kill me. But it's just like having a baby. Do you know that, what is it, 40 weeks, a baby, 40 weeks? 39 weeks, 40 weeks, somewhere in there, somewhere in there. I never had one, but I know someone who did. And, and, um, but do you know, you know if, if you, the sooner you have that baby, the quicker you have that baby, it reduces the chances of that baby living the sooner that baby comes out, right? If you have that baby at 20 weeks, you, you're going to have issues, right? So the sooner that baby's born, the higher the odds that that baby's not going to survive. It's the same way with God working in your life. If God gives you what he's promised you too soon, the, the odds of that thing being successful diminish the, the quicker he gives it to you. Because there's times where God will develop things in you in obscurity. And when the right time comes, he'll birth that thing, and, and, and it'll be time. But if it's too soon, it'll destroy you. And I believe that was the case in Joseph's life. There were things that God was trying to teach him. He, he might have been a little arrogant as a 17-year-old, like most 17-year-olds maybe have brain damage that, that, during that season. He, ha- he had some of that. He, he, he might have, I mean, come on, anyone that goes with his brothers, I mean, the first time he shared the dream was one thing, but the second time, he's wanting to just go, mm. 
I know you guys don't like me, but check this out. You're going to all bow to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't cool. God was doing some things in Joseph's life. Joseph wasn't ready to rescue a nation at that point, was he? He had to walk through some difficult waters. Paul said in Colossians, work hard and cheerfully at all you do, just as though you were working for the Lord and not merely for your masters, remembering that it is the Lord, Je- uh, Lord, uh, that it, it is the Lord Christ who is going to pay you, giving you, boy, hold on, let me just take it. Okay, let me try that again. Giving you your full portion of all he owns. He is the one you are really working for. Man. If Joseph could have just got that glimpse, and I think he did, like, you know what? Okay, well, if I'm in prison, then I'm going to be the best prisoner there is. And I'm going to be a leader in prison, and I'm going to make a difference in people's lives, and I'm going to be trustworthy, and I'm going to be a man of integrity and faithfulness so that the prison warden can trust me. And, and he just determined that whatever situation he found himself in, he was going to be a cut above the rest. I think that's such a healthy attitude to have. And lastly, You kill a dream killer through being determined to be faithful. That's a decision that we make. Because it's so easy to become unfaithful when we feel like we've been dealt a bad hand. And and Joseph never wavered in his faithfulness to God and his faithfulness to people that God put over his life. And so I want to go back to that situation with Potiphar and his wife. And um, I want you to hear how... Joseph responded to her, and I just think this is such a a lesson for all of us. And it said, Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. And one day, however, when no one else was around, when he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Man, I just love his posture in this. How could I do that? Your husband trusts me with everything. And how could I do it? Because my God trusts me with everything. I love the fact that he didn't just kind of play little games with her and kind of flirt back, you know. (laughs) He didn't do any of that. That was like a bad example of flirting. I don't even know how to flirt. (laughs) Maybe that's why Kim never responds to me when I do this. What what do you have, a tick? Like what? What? Call 911. He's having a seizure. Something. I don't know. It's terrible. Maybe I need to learn how to flirt better with my wife. But, but had he have went there, he, he probably would not have been able to run away. You know, isn't it so true with all of us when we struggle with the things of the flesh that when we, when we flirt with those things, we usually end up giving in when we're by ourselves, right? But he didn't. He remained faithful to his God. And, and so, listen, your dreams that God has given you are going to collide with reality at some point. Um, it's, just, it's just part of it. There's going to be circumstances that make those dreams look like they're never going to happen. But what are you going to do when it happens? Are you going to give up? 
Are, are you going to give into that, that rush of emotions where you feel anxious, you feel scared, you feel discouraged? The way you deal with your feelings when you're walking through difficult circumstances that appear like they're threatening the, the dream and vision that God has given you, the way you, the way you handle those things determine whether those circumstances are going to be dream killers or they're going to be dream builders. Because every situation that Joseph found himself in, those difficulties became dream builders. And he saved the nation. You know, regardless of what hole in the ground they threw him in, or what prison they locked him up in, or even how his family thought about him, Joseph didn't allow these things to kill his dream. But they built it. And one day in the future, God gave him a new set of dreams that gave him influence with the king. And he saved the whole nation, saved his family, and his family did indeed come and bow before him, just like the first dream mentioned. But at that point, he had grown in his integrity and his character, and he wasn't that 17-year-old punk anymore that went, nah, 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 I told you. That's not what he did. He showed so much humility and grace and forgive because he wouldn't have done that maybe 10 years earlier or 20 years earlier. It took him almost a lifetime to have the, the, the humility that God needed to, him to have. Man, I meet people all the time that live in despair, that live in constant discouragement, some of you even have quit asking, why me? Because you just, you're just convinced that you're this victim of this cosmic conspiracy against you, that, that God is just out to get you because of all the things that are happening in your life. And you've given up on your dream. Some of you have just given up on life. You just feel like a robot every day. You're not, you're not enjoying anything. And some become angry at everything and everyone as I begin to close today, I want to just ask you, how are you responding when your dreams collide with your reality? When life happens, does that alter God's purpose in your life? And I think today, as we read this story, the answer would be absolutely not. In fact, it built the purpose for Joseph's life, the difficulties he went through. If we can start looking at our difficulties as builders instead of killers, our whole outlook might change. Maybe you lost your job for a reason. Maybe God wants to give you one that it, that, that's going to help you in, in His purpose for your life. And the one you were on was a dead-end job. You know, maybe God's going to do some of these things in your life that, um, that you don't know how He's doing it or why He's doing it, and you're confused. Man, just that's, that's where you need to trust in His presence. You need to be dedicated to your calling. You know, as I invite the worship team to come out here. Um, I, I, I just wanted to share just a little story with you. Some of you have heard part of it before, but I just wanted to kind of share with you a, a season of my life where I felt like my dreams were, were dead. Um, I had given my, my life to Christ, and um, I had went away to Bible college, and I was there for a year, and I was paying my own way, and, and uh, I was trying to pay as I went so I didn't have a huge debt, and um, after the first year uh, of Bible college, I mean, I certainly felt the call of God on my life to be a pastor. It was, it, was that, it was that fire burning inside of me that I couldn't put out. I loved people, and I loved God, and that's all I knew. And I, I just wanted to make a difference in people's lives. 
And so I, I, I left that first year of college with a definite call of God on my life. It was a dream. And, um, and I just decided that next year just to stay out and, and work. I was working in plumbing again and, and just trying to, you know, pay off as much as I could so I could go back the following year. And I thought, man, if it takes me 10 years to get through Bible college and get a degree, that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, I'm going to do it. And I was determined. And um, <clears throat> that summer, in the beginning of August, that I was um, re- getting ready to go back, uh, my stepfather had been uh, killed in a car accident. And my mother had died when I was 16. So when I turned 18, a few years before that, I actually I was guardian of my two younger half-sisters for a year. I was their full-time guardian, full-time parent. And then I gave them back to my stepfather when he was killed the one sister had just graduated from high school. She was on her way to Southeastern University, so she was going to be in college. But my youngest sister um, was just going into high school, and uh, and man, she was she was uh, she was a handful. She was a great kid. We're very close today, but man, she I mean, it was crazy craziness. And she didn't have any parents, and she had a an, a, an older brother who used to beat her you know, and play games. Yeah, I, I don't meant literally beat her. I just meant as a as an older brother would do. Now now I'm her guardian, right? That that was not great. And I remember just feeling like after we did the funeral and everything, like, uh oh, wait a minute. My dream for ministry, uh it's there it's there there's a dilemma. So either I go back to college and let my little sister go into foster care because there was no one else to take her. Or I do the right thing, and I become guardian of my sister again, but I forfeit any chance of ministry that I would ever have. And honestly, the decision wasn't that hard. I, I just felt like I needed to step up to the plate and raise my sister. But in doing that, I started to go through a depression. I would go drive to the plumbing store in the mornings and... Uh, I just felt like, you ever, you ever go through this where you start, it's a pity party, and you go, well, God blesses everyone else except me. That's what I was at. Everyone else is getting blessed. Everyone else is getting these awesome callings and doing this and that, and I'm always going to be a plumber. I'm always going to be working in this little plumbing store, and, and that's going to be my life. It's I guess my lot in life is never to uh, have a break, and always, you know, I just, man, I was feeding myself with all kinds of stuff. But then there came a point where I just realized, you know what, I'm just going to do the best I can do. It took me a while. But i got to tell you that during that season of knowing my calling but feeling like that was dead. See, I had to let that dream die. I had to put that dream on the altar and kill it. So it didn't become a god to me. And that season that I was working, as miserable as I was, there are, there are guys that got saved in the back of that plumbing store that are still serving God today because of that season that I was there. And God, see, God was developing something in me that needed to be developed. It wasn't time. And after about a year and a half of feeling like God had abandoned me as far as my, the dream and that I was never going to be in the ministry and all of that, my pastor called me one day and said, hey, I want to take you to lunch. And I took me to this little restaurant and we sat there and, and he just said, look at you've got a call on your life. It's evident to everybody and I want to make you an offer. And I'm like, okay. And, um, 
and he said, we have a, um, we, we lost our maintenance man, and uh, we, we need a maintenance man at the church, and we have um, a group of junior high kids that nobody wants to lead. That's the worst group of junior high kids we've ever seen. They are a handful. And, uh, and he said, I want to offer you the position of maintenance man and junior high leader. And um, I think at the time, this was in the mid-80s, I was making like 350 bucks a week, which is good money in the Midwest at that point. And um, all said and done, this offer was $93 a week be, to be a maintenance man. And I sat there and I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll take it. And um, I can't even tell you how many toilets I unplugged. Uh, worked on, we had an old school bus, man. I, I had to keep that thing running every week so I could pick up the bus kids, man. I would, I would emerge from our bus barn covered in grease because I just <laughs> did something on the bus. I mean, and, you, you know, I still didn't feel any closer to the calling of what God had promised me. I, even though I was working at the church full time, I was doing menial things, fixing light bulbs and vacuuming and, and you know, plumbing and, and just everything. And, and that little junior high group that I took, which was the, they were the most difficult group you could imagine. But I can't even tell you how many pastors are out of, pastoring today that were in that group. It ended up being one of the greatest times of my life, that junior high group. Those kids are now in their 40s and they have their own families. And whenever I see them, it's just unreal to me. But I said all that just to say that um, in my life, I needed that track because God was building some things in me. He was showing me that through difficult seasons, I need to learn how to walk with Him, that I need to trust Him, that when everything's falling apart, I know that I know that I know that He is with me. And now, you know, I'm here, we're here, we're all here for such a time as this. Now it all makes sense to me why I went through all of that because I wouldn't be here today. I want to encourage you, if you're discouraged and you feel like you've lost hope, you feel like, man, God God gave you a, a dream. Uh, it might be, you know, you're going to get married and have a wonderful family and that just doesn't seem like it's happening. Or God gave you a calling on your life, a dream for ministry and you just feel like no matter how hard you try, it's just it's never happening. And you've gotten to the point where you've lost hope. You've lost, you, you, your dream has been killed. You don't even feel like you can even think about it anymore because it hurts too much. And I want to encourage you that God is not done with you yet. Could we stand? I want to just close in prayer. Um, but I'd like to pray for you. Um, how many people that are here today and um, you can relate to something we talked about today and you're like, man, that is, that is where I'm at right now in my life. Could you just raise your hand and just say, that's the, the hands all up everywhere, man. Just keep your hands up because I want to pray for you. Just keep your hands up. Father, I just want to thank you for honesty and I want to thank you for vulnerability, God. And I want to thank you, Lord, that um, today you've reminded us that when our dreams collide with reality, doesn't change the reality of the dream. <laughs> it enhances it. It builds it. It doesn't kill it. God, as you're maneuvering every one of us in this room through this thing called life and through this thing called difficult circumstances and, and things that we don't see as a blessing right now, but, Lord, you're using to
to shape us and to hone us and to make us uh, mature and people of integrity and you're building character within us, God, that when it is time to give birth to that dream in all of us, God, it will be the perfect time. Give us the patience. Give us the, 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 the strength, God, to, to just trust you when it just seems impossible. Because, God, looking at Joseph's life, we see that you fulfilled everything you told him you would do, especially in those times where it didn't seem like it could ever happen. And, Lord, you are no respecter of persons. You are going to do the same thing in each of our lives, God. So I pray that people would leave here today with a hope again, with a dream again in their heart, with, with a keen sense that you've called them to something, God, and that you have not left them or abandoned them, you are with them and walking with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just praise God today and thank Him for what He's doing. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.